Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketchpad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 309. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. First-time listeners, we're glad you found us. We hope you stay and become a regular listener. My name is Stephen Fennick and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. Apologies for my voice. I am having a throat condition, but I am going to battle on just for you. On this week's show, Telco customer service a major fail, according to a new report. The new housing development where residents create and share their own power. And an Australian is among the winners in the iPhone Photography Awards. In the Tech Guide interview, we're going to chat with Dr. Joanne Orlando, a leading expert when it comes to children and technology. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the WD My Passport SSD drive and the new range of JBL Bluetooth speakers. And we'll wrap it all up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and also Norton, the company to help keep you and and your family safe online. Huge show for you, so let's not waste any time. Well, the telcos uh, haven't always had the best reputation when it comes to customer service, and the latest report by the Australian Communications Consumer Action Network, that's ACAN for short, has painted a pretty unflattering picture. They've put together a report, and the findings are not good. It shows that telco customers are frustrated, really frustrated by numerous things. One, by the amount of time they need to spend to resolve an issue. Now, the report, which was uh, ironically entitled, Can You Hear Me?, has unveiled all these insights into the customer service provided by the top 10 telcos. Now, there's a wide range of issues here. But one that, that stuck out was the, the time it takes for a customer to have their issues resolved. On average, it's 13 days to have that resolved. Some cases blowing out to more than two months. Now, I'm sure those of you listening have been on the end of those phone calls waiting to have things sorted out. And it's not like we're talking about complicated issues. It's it's either changing a plan or updating a plan. Minor things that should should be able to happen in one phone call in 10 minutes. But unfortunately, that hasn't been the case. And the, the report also showed that uh, having to con- contact the telcos numerous times about that issue, not just once. And then each time that you're contacting them again, you've got to explain the problem all over again. Now, that is so frustrating for customers and often leads in, into the customers escalating it to a formal complaint, which, again, is, even, is hard to do as well. So it's, it's nothing but frustration and, and reflects pretty poorly on 
the level of customer service that the telcos are offering. Uh, the, the, in, in terms of how they all fared, uh, the, the, the telco that scored the highest score, so they, that were found to be, have the best customer service, according to the survey, 70% of customers of Virgin Mobile, they, was, they said they were happy with the service. Ironically, Virgin are no longer in the market. They're closing down. Uh, Optus taking over those accounts when the when the current current contracts run out. So the best the best telco is no longer with us. The other the other uh, the, the next highest telco was Vodafone. Sixty one percent of customers said they had a positive experience. Uh, this was followed by TPG, iNet, uh, Maysim, Dodo, iPrimus. That were just over fifty percent. Telstra and Optus customers only scored forty three percent. And 42% respectively. So it's 43 to Telstra, 42 to Optus. Uh, lowest ranked telcos was were Belong and the regional provider Activate Me. Uh, not not the best results there for those. But it's the the the, uh, the industry's come out. Well, ACAN this report uh, is really putting shining a light on just what sort of level of customer service we should expect. Uh, and uh, they've also called on trying to draft a new a new resolution where customer service is provided uh, in a cer- at a certain level. Uh, they've they've asked the Australian Communications and Media Authority, the industry regulator, to to take a look at that. Uh, some of the other key findings, uh, apart from the length of time to to get customers' issues uh, sorted. Uh, the other the other issue was uh, how going into store will get a, a, a faster result, uh, and that faster result was an average of eight days, uh, followed by social media, which took fifteen and a half days, uh, or going on the phone, ringing up, waiting on hold, making a complaint, uh, or, or to, to talk to customer service advisors. There, average of twenty three point three days. So it obviously phone is the easiest way for people to be contacted. We can't always go into a store, and some of some many not savvy enough to sort of contact people via social media. Their telcos via social media, uh, re-providing the information as well. Fifty-eight point fifty-eight percent of respondents said they needed to re-provide the information. So having to explain everything from scratch again, uh, and then. Each time they've had the calls, numerous times, sometimes they had to repeat that information more than five times before it was resolved. That's really, really poor customer service. Now, complaining to the telecommunications industry ombudsman, 24% of respondents wanted to or did lodge a complaint with the TIO, but only 3% proceeded with uh, that complaint because uh, some of the reasons could be that either they they either wanted or had complained to the TIO, uh, but it was they said it was too difficult to find information from their provider on how to do it. So trying to escalate the complaint, the provider didn't give them enough information to do it. So really, really sad, the state of affairs here. And you think of the number of people who are using these company services. Nearly everyone has got a phone. And the, the these top 10 companies that I mentioned, there's chances are that 95% of people listening to this right now are, are a customer from one of these companies. God help us if you've got an issue that needs addressing. 
Uh, there, there was some good news. Some of the companies did perform well. Virgin, unfortunately, not, no longer with us. Vodafone did okay as well. Uh, the others, uh, though, have a lot to leave a lot to be desired. They really need to sort out their customer service. This on top of many other issues that customers have had. But if you can't provide good customer service, then that is a real black mark for your company, in my opinion. If you want to read more about the ACAN report, you can check that story out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. A housing development in Sydney is going to be the first in the country to allow residents to generate their own power and then share that power with each of the residents uh, in that in that development. The development is in Kernel, uh, a suburb in Sydney's southern suburbs, and there will be 12 homes connected in this development through a battery storage solution. And I'm familiar with the solution because I, I too, am a customer. I, uh, you heard on previous podcasts and on Tech Guide, uh, I, uh, I became, just through sheer fluke of timing, the number one Sonnen flat customer in Australia. By that, I mean I have solar panels and a battery. I've got a Sonnen battery, and my battery is linked to other batteries in the country. And I become part of a virtual power plant. So myself and all the other Sonnen customers, we create our power, use our power, and share our power. And Sonnen, uh, with their Sonnen flat system, they charge just a flat fee so that uh, all your energy needs are met. Uh, in my case, I pay forty dollars per month, and I receive a, receive a zero dollar bill, zero dollar bill from the from Energy Australia, and that's all my power sorted and my system which cost me just under $19,000 has 27 panels and inverter and includes the 10 kilowatt battery as well and I'm now part of this this virtual grid system that Sonnen controls for a flat fee of $40 per month that's less than what I pay for my mobile phone bill now this development in Kernel is using a similar strategy there where each of the homes will have solar panels installed on their roofs as well as a Sonnen battery in their homes as well. Now, what what they're going to do here, this is all organised through uh, Australian company Natural Solar. They're one of the leading solar companies who uh, have uh, the distribution rights for the Sonnen technology in Australia. Uh, what, what they're also going to use is blockchain technology to help manage the storage and distribution of the power among those houses. So... Once this development is completed, uh, the the neighbours will be sharing more than just uh, more, borrowing more than just a cup of sugar. They'll actually be sharing their power. Each of the twelve homes, they're going to be fitted with a five kilowatt solar system, and they'll have an eight kilowatt Sonnen battery at home. And this will all add up to I think they're going to be paying thirty dollars a month each each home per month. That's their flat rate for Sonnen to manage that system and distribute that power on their behalf for that small monthly flat fee, and that'll ensure they'll get a $0 power bill. Uh, What the system is expected to save the 12 homes in the development is a minimum of $620,000 in power bills over the next 20 years. These batteries, the Sonnen batteries, are purpose-built for home storage and have a 20-year-plus lifespan. So this technology, you're seeing it, uh, it, it. Australia was one of the first countries outside of Europe to adopt this, this uh, the Sonnenflat system. 
this this development, I think, is the first of many developments we're going to see where property developers will notice that they'll, they will find that this is a more economical system. So if, if it's attractive for, for residents to have this kind of system set up, adds value to the homes, in my opinion, mine included. When I invested in my system, I saw it as exactly that, as an investment in my home. I think it made my home more valuable. And it's one of those things, too, the investment that will eventually pay itself off. Uh, I was spending more than $3,000 in power bills. Uh, now I'm paying $40 a month, which adds up to just under 500 a year. So you do the math there, uh, and that's if energy prices stay as they are today, which they won't, I'll get my money back in five to six years. So the ROI, the return on investment, is pretty solid. In terms of uh, this Kernel development, uh, it's still in the building stage. Um, I'm sure they'll be moving in in the next few months, but they will be one of the first housing developments to have this system installed, all through the help of natural solar. Uh, and they'll be able to not only create their own power through their panels, store the power in their own batteries, but also share power to their neighbours if they need it, and vice versa, receive some power if needed as well. Really interesting story. You want to read up on that, the development at at, uh, Kernel, Australia's first housing development where neighbours can create and share their power. You can catch up on all of that at techguide.com.au. Well, an Australian has been chosen among the winners of the 2018 iPhone Photography Awards. This is an annual event, been running for, I think, about seven years now. And the Australian in question is a gentleman named Glenn Holman. He won first place in the abstract section. Uh, he he uh, Holman hails from Brisbane. He's been shooting on an iPhone since the release of the iPhone 4 back in 2010. His award-winning image was actually a shot of some cardboard scraps caught at just the right angle by the sunlight. I've, I've uh, put that photo up on my story on Tech Guide. That won him first place in the abstract section. Now, the, the competition had other categories as well, uh, including architecture, animals, portraits, children, floral, landscapes, panoramas, still life, travel, sunset, news, events, nature, and lifestyle. So that was one of many sections, one of many categories, won by uh, Glenn Holman from Australia. And he said that uh, he's always dabbled with photography, always loved it. Uh, when the iPhone came along, he uh, was able to take it everywhere and jump on, take advantage of the opportunities where uh, photos presented themselves, as we saw with uh, his scrap cardboard image. He also offered some tips on how to take better images with the iPhone. The first one he said was using the two times optical zoom on the iPhone. Now he uses an iPhone 10. It allows him to concentrate on details to create his compositions with less clutter and more and natural straight lines. He also recommends using panoramic mode on the iPhone because the results, even in urban environments, he says are fantastic. And he also re- reminded people that you can use panoramic mode vertically as well. So it doesn't have to be sweeping left to right. You can go up and down with your panoramic shots. He always uh, also says he makes use of the HDR mode, high dynamic range mode. This mode, he says, gives amazingly natural results that can save a lot of editing later. 
Uh, he also said it, it pays to underexpose the image because it's easier to bring out the details of the shadows uh, than to save the highlights. You easily, uh, you can also use some handy editing, either the built-in editor or using apps such as Snapseed. Uh, he also said, if possible, spend as much time as you can photing, photographing any particular thing. He says it can sometimes take a while for the most interesting aspects of a place or an object to reveal themselves. So hang in there. Be patient with your photos, I think is the message right there. Uh, really interesting. Congratulations to Glenn Holman from Brisbane. He's flying the flag for Australia in the iPhone 2018 Photography Awards. If you want to see some of those entries, uh, in fact, all of those entries, you can do that if you head over to techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that keeps you and your family safe online. Norton is introducing Norton Core. It is a secure wireless router that can deliver both protection and performance. Norton Core leverages Symantec's global intelligence network to help defend your connected home against malware, viruses, hackers and other cyber threats. Welcome to a more secure Wi-Fi. Traditional routers may not be smart enough to keep cyber criminals from breaking into your home network and devices, even with a password. Norton Core is. It is a smart and more secure Wi-Fi router that includes Norton Core Security Plus to help block threats from cyber criminals before they can infiltrate your connected life. Setup is quick and easy with their smartphone app and gives you access to fast Wi-Fi with broad coverage. Plus, you get protection from for unlimited connected devices inside the home and Norton Security to cover 10 computers, smartphones or tablets outside of the home. Help protect your connected home with Norton Core. You can pre-order Norton Core now exclusively through Harvey Norman and receive a $100 Harvey Norman gift card. To find out more about Norton Core, visit au.norton.com. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide interview. Tech Guide. Our Tech Guide interview today is with Dr. Joanne Orlando. She's an expert in the field of children and technology. She's a, a speaker. He's really across all the learning and social effects of children's use of technology. Uh, she's done a lot on, to, she's the go-to expert for any time we need to talk about how children and parents can cope with technology and get the best results for themselves and to stay safe online, of course. We caught up with uh, Joanne recently. We asked her to give us her best tips on for parents to help keep their children safe online, what they need to do, how they can get involved, and here's what she had to say earlier. Well, hi, Joe. Thanks for joining me. We're here to talk about how parents can cope in, in, the, in the modern day. We're looking at parents, their children are on social media, they're playing games, and there's quite a bit of responsibility that comes with it, isn't there? So where, where does a parent start? What's your advice for a parent? And that's a question I get asked a lot by a lot of parents. They're not quite sure what to do. A lot of people say, well, I didn't grow up with technology. My parents didn't do anything. So I'm, I'm this new frontier, this new generation of parents who are working it out. So the big issue for a lot of parents is, one, keeping their kids safe online. Uh, number two, they get worried as their kids get a bit older that they're going to be addicted to social media or addicted to video games or something like that. 
And then also parents know that technology skills are really important, so they want to know how to tap into that, how to actually get their kids to use it in, in really beneficial ways that will help their learning but will help their career long term you know, when they move into that part of their life. That is, you touched on one issue, like there's no reference for our, for our own childhood that we can refer, like normally as a parent, you think, well, how, how was I brought up? You kind of think, okay, well, I was allowed to do this, but there's no reference in our childhood of technology. And I don't want to give up our ages here, but we've got our own children now and, and we've got to kind of keep up with this. It's second nature to children, but parents, slightly older parents, they really need to stay on top of this as well. That's right. We're all feeling our way as parents. So as parents with teenagers or young adults, but even parents who have got kids who are younger, not quite sure what to do. So confidence can be a little bit low for parents and they think they're doing the right thing, not quite sure, might check with their friends. But then, you know, they see things like headlines, you know, kids are addicted to social media or, you know, predators online. And it's really really difficult then to know, okay, well, my children are on technology, they're online all the time, I'm just not sure how to direct them with this. Okay, let's, let's talk about, you mentioned safety, that's one important issue and I think a lot of parents don't realise that how often their child is exposed online, whether they're, of course they're on the internet, that's online, but a lot of them don't realise that gaming is often online, other other features of social media, there are also places where parents need to sort of keep an eye on what their kids are doing. That's right. So just about everything's online now. So even for younger children playing games, you know, the most popular games for younger kids are online games. So that means they're not necessarily playing in a very limited community or even just playing on their own. They're, they're playing in quite a, a big online space where other people are playing, which are probably mostly kids, but also going to be adults or young people and you know there's things like chat facilities are, that are on those games so if you haven't got the settings quite right and your chat is open then anyone can contact your child so there's those kinds of things and then recently I've seen this week one of the most popular kids games someone's got into it they've hacked into it and you know it's awful but they've created these hackers have created these characters in this game which are adult-themed <laughs> characters, yeah. and, and they perform these sexual acts. So it's pretty awful. So young kids are coming across these characters um, and then, you know, engaging with them in gameplay, and that's just not on. So that kind of thing can happen. Yeah. So we always have to be on our toes when it comes to safety. You always have to keep reading as a parent because things keep changing online. What about from the kids' perspective where... It's kind of second nature now for a child. They're, they're, they're really open to sharing online. So it's one thing where there's people coming at them online. What about what they do online, what they're sharing, oversharing? Is that an issue too? Yeah, well, we have two terms. We have oversharing, and that's the, the kids' point of view. And then we have oversharenting, which is ah. parents sharing ah. too much about their, their families. But kids have a different approach to privacy than we do. They're used to telling their story online so it might be through photos or videos or through just comments of what they're doing that day what they're doing right now so that's sort of life for kids and I always think like um, sharing uh, sorry sharing and, and privacy is a generational thing so a hundred years ago we were very private we shared very little about our lives and then as the generations go down and down now this generation of kids and young people 
they share so much more than we did, you know, maybe 20 or 30 years ago. So there's that generational idea. And a lot of parents find that really difficult, that their kids are sharing too much about their life and it doesn't quite fit in with their idea of what's appropriate. And, of course, kids can put themselves at risk there. They might be sharing just too much or saying a little bit too much about themselves or their personal details as well. Parental controls something parents have to have. It's, it's, it's like having a computer on the internet. You need security. It, you'd be mad not to have it. Is it. Would you say that's the same thing, parental control? Especially, I'm assuming, if you've got a parent who may be with a child under 10, 12, that's really important, isn't it? It is. That's really important. And a lot of parents say, I just don't know how to do it. It's really hard. Um, and that's probably where you come into it, Steve. Yeah. You're giving you advice on that. But if you don't know, the you know Apple and all the other big companies have got pretty easy directions online on what to do. But my big rule of thumb is you put the parental controls in place, but they don't take place of parenting and explaining to your kids the dangers um, and showing your children, being on there with them every now and then and showing them where the dangers are and how to avoid it. So it's like this two-pronged strategy. So that's you mentioned that's an important point. You've got to sort of talk to your children. Eh? So it's important to talk about what's appropriate. You know, it's like, it's, like you, you, it's a different part of their childhood that you need to raise them to, to be to act properly online and what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. So that communication, and, and we're kind of blurring into another part here, say like you know, cyberbullying is sort of another area where your kid has to be pretty open and honest about it. If they're being cyberbullied, they really, you need to have that dialogue to hopefully get, get over it and prevent it. That's right, absolutely. So we need to be very present as parents when it comes to our kids on technology. But also, you need to be quite positive and, and open-minded about your kids being on technology as well. So if they're online, but you're always hassling them to get off or technology is bad, then if something happens to them online, for example, cyberbullying, they're not going to feel quite uh, open to approaching you and telling you about it because they'll be worried about a negative response. So you sort of have to really try to keep the conversation about technology positive, open, um, and regular as well. Just to sum up, can you give us your three top tips for parenting? What's your top three things you'd say to parents with young children dealing with online life? I could give a hundred, <laughs> but uh, top three. One is do things with your kids online. So it's not a them versus us. Occasionally play that video game that they love playing. Occasionally go on there, search things, search for something to do on the weekend. It's great. Your kids will love it. They'll love to be doing things with you online and playing their favourite game, but you also get a sense of who they are when they're playing technology and the sorts of content that they're seeing online. So that's okay. number, number one. one. Number two is sort of related to that, yeah. but... Uh, Make technology just part of family conversation. So talk about things that you saw online or you did online. Get them to do it as well. So not from a surveillance point of view. It's just something you talk about, and it helps to develop that really positive environment. And number three is make sure that you stay informed about technology. It keeps changing, so go to trusted sources, so government websites or experts' websites. Go to the trusted sources and find out. Thank you so much for joining us on the Tech Guide podcast. Thanks. My pleasure. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide. All right, our reviews this week, we're going to kick off with the WD My Passport Wireless SSD. SSD is a solid state drive. Now, this is a drive with a difference. It does come with a built-in SD card reader. 
and you think about the people who this would be suitable for, you're talking photographers, videographers, even drone pilots in the field. So it makes it really easy to back up their memory cards to the drive. That's why the, the built-in SD card reader is there. It's really useful. So you can insert the card into the drive, upload your photos and videos into the portable drive's memory. It's got an SSD drive, so solid-state drive. Copy it over in a flash so you're able to get on with the job. You got a nice backup then for all your images from your card. So uh, you can even connect an external card reader to the drive, and so it can ingest all the content from any of the cards that it supports, whether it's a SD card or maybe a micro SD card or uh, other other cards that photographers use. The device itself uh, is 13 and a half centimeters on each side, so it's square. It's small. It's it's I, I equate it to slightly bigger than a CD case. If anyone remembers what they look like, slightly thicker, of course. But uh, it is built to travel. It's pretty rugged. Uh, it's got a protective rubber bumper all around it, so you can take this out on the field. And it has uh, pr- protection from drops of up to a meter. Uh, can handle all the shock and vibration. What also helps it is the fact that the drive inside is an SSD, solid state drive. So basically, like a massive memory card inside. So no moving parts like a traditional external hard drive. So you know they use that spinning platter. Uh, Any time that's dropped or shocked. It's it's very easy for that to uh, to be compromised, to break. So uh, not not that you don't have that problem with the solid state drive. Uh, on that, there's an on-off button. There's also an SD uh, slash battery button, so you can initiate the SD card copying as well as checking the battery level. Uh, one thing you don't find on here, I'm surprised with this, is uh, yeah, there's no SD USB-C port. Uh, despite the fact it's becoming pretty common and a fast way of connecting, uh, no USB port, just a regular USB 3.0 port. Cable comes with it as well. Uh, you can also, of course, connect the drive to a computer, so it becomes like a normal external hard drive. Super quick speeds, thanks to the fact that it's an SSD drive. They're normally a bit faster. Transfer speeds of up to 390 megabytes a second, so really easy to upload any info there through the USB 3.0 port. Uh, it's also got its own wireless network. So if you want to connect wirelessly to this device, you can. So you can just simply link to it from your from your tablet, your phone, your computer. Uh, allows you then to view photos, uh, stream 4K video, if you like, as well, through the MyCloud app if you're using it on a mobile device. Uh, you can also, uh, the app can also preview and download the content on the drive as well, so you can view what's on the drive. So on the go, it's really easy to do that. There's also support for raw images. So if you're a photographer in the field, you want to shoot raw, uh, it can also support that, and you can preview, that, preview those images on your phone and tablet as well. It also works with third-party apps as well, Filmic Pro and Luma Touch two third-party apps that it will also work with. So if you're doing some editing on the fly, this isn't an issue. There's a rechargeable battery on board, runs for up to 10 hours on a single charge. So it's got a solid battery. There's enough battery power to even power up, recharge your mobile devices in the field as well. So you might well have a smartphone or a tablet you need to top up to juice up. So uh, you can do that through the My Passport Wireless USB port. Ideal, as I said, if you're a photographer, videographer, a drone pilot like myself, this comes in really handy because you can then back up your images. If you, say, running out of room on your memory card, you can upload them to the drive, then reformat the memory card and start again. 
but knowing that you've got them backed up on the drive. So it's uh, handy if you're in the field. Uh, really cool product to have around. Uh, just just makes it easy to copy your files without the need for a screen or any other additional software. Just really easy, really easy solution. The My Passport Wireless uh, SSD priced at four twenty nine for the two fifty gig, five twenty nine for the five hundred gig, eight forty nine for the one terabyte, and you're looking at thirteen hundred and ninety nine dollars for the two terabyte model. Uh, not the cheapest devices there, but one of those things where once you use it and you see how handy it is, I think uh, it's probably worth it for you having giving you that peace of mind in the field and that convenience in the field as well when you're shooting. If you want to read more about that story, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Moving right along, we're going to talk about speakers, and this time JBL has unveiled a new range of rugged, waterproof Bluetooth speakers. Uh, JBL has always been that sort of company that comes up with uh, really high-definition sound in their products. Their speakers are always great quality, not only in terms of uh, the design and, and build of the products, but also, of course, the sound quality. The three new products are the go-to the Clip 3 and the Extreme 2. So these suit like a wide range of users and price points. Now, the, the Clip, the, the Go 2 is the cheapest device. That's a $49.95. It's a, like a, a Bluetooth waterproof speaker that's small enough to fit in the palm of your hand, runs for up to five hours on a single charge. Uh, it's got an IPX rating, which means it's waterproof. Uh, and so that means you can hear it, take your music and hear it at the beach or by the pool. Even if you go underwater, it's not going to damage this thing. Uh, it can also be used, too, as a hands-free speakerphone as well. Uh, moving along to the JBL Clip 3. This is $79.95. Again, ultra-portable, rugged speaker. Uh, has a carabiner clip on it as well, so it can attach to your backpack, your belt loop, your clothes, whatever you want to attach it to. So it's really easy to take with you. So it's, not, it's, it's small enough to attach to your bag and your belt. Uh, also has noise and echo-cancelling speakerphone on board and uh, easily visible volume controls and a play button so you can control your music from the device as well. You get up to 10 hours of battery life through the rechargeable 100 milliamp hour built-in lithium-ion battery and again available in a few different colours. Moving up to the JBL Extreme 2. Now, this is a big baby, this one. This is $349.95. So you're not only getting extreme size, so it's bigger, but you're also getting extreme audio quality as well. Again, waterproof speaker, but delivers pretty immersive stereo sound. It's got four drivers and two JBL radiators on board, so you're getting decent audio quality through here. On, on board is also a 10,000 milliamp hour lithium-ion battery. And, the, and from that, you get 15 hours of playback and the ability to recharge your other mobile devices through the USB port. Very handy. And it's also compatible with the JBL Connect Plus app, which means you can link wirelessly to more than 100 JBL Connect Plus enabled speakers as well. So if you've got a few speakers around that have got that are the Connect Plus enabled, uh, you can group those together to have an even larger sound. And to top it all off, the Extreme 2, the carry strap on the Extreme 2 has a handy bottle opener. 
They've thought of everything, JBL. And that one's priced at three forty nine ninety five. And the JBL speaker range, they're available now. And if you want to read more about them and actually see what they look like, you know where to go to techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. And you already know Arlo by Netgear, the worldwide leader in smart home security and the creator of the world's first 100% wire-free, weatherproof HD security camera. Well, now you can get to know the new Arlo Pro 2. It's got even more features, including two-way audio that allows you to talk to your kids, your pets, or whoever's at your front door right from your smartphone. Arlo Pro has quick charge, rechargeable batteries, night vision, and live on-demand streaming, and yes, still 100% wire-free and weatherproof, so you can easily monitor your entire property inside and out. Arlo Pro takes just a few minutes to set up, so you can check in on your home or your business from anywhere using the free Arlo app on your phone, tablet, or computer. Know what's happening in real time with advanced motion detection, and never miss a moment with free cloud recordings for seven days. Visit arlo.com forward slash au for more information. Arlo and the new Arlo Pro by Netgear. Every angle covered. Tech Guide. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. A couple of quick points on the Tech Guide Help Desk. First of all, a reader contacted me and asked about a Chromecast and wondering if it would work with the iPhone. Of course it works with the iPhone. The Chromecast fits into the uh, HDMI port on your television. It also needs power, so that comes with it as well. And then what you do, once it's connected to your network, you can stream to the to the Chromecast or cast your content through the apps that are compatible with Cast. Like so, for example, if you're watching Netflix on your phone or your tablet. There should be a little icon at the top of the screen, a square icon that means that it's castable. So you just hit that button. It'll come up then and look at the nearest Chromecast, which will be the one you've set up in the T on your TV, and then it will replicate, it'll stream to the television that particular program. The Chromecast works, of course, with Android phones, but in this case, the uh, our reader asked if it works with iPhones and if it's easy to use, and I can tell you it, this, yes, it is easy to use uh, and offers pretty impressive results at the same time. Uh, we did have another another reader inquire about some Bluetooth issues they were having. Uh, they bought a, a pair of EFM Bluetooth wire-free earphones. So you know those the wire-free, similar to the AirPods type speak uh, type earphones. And this particular reader said that he was having constant dropouts. He he had a pair to an iPhone eight. And he was saying that uh, every time it, it, the music would cut out, it would drop out. He took it back to the store, and would you believe the stores? The store staff told him that, yeah, it, it's, it doesn't work very well if it's uh, if the uh, the Bluetooth path is blocked. Like this, this reader was saying that he has a, his phone in his breast pocket or his or his hip pocket, and the Bluetooth cuts out. Since when does Bluetooth need to be held out in the open for it to work? My suggestion is take them back. There must be something wrong with them or swap them out for another brand. Uh, according to the Australian consumer law, you're entitled to a refund or a replacement. So get that sorted out. 
the excuse that you need to have them out in the open, unobstructed, is a load of rubbish. So don't let the store staff fool you. Bluetooth is a lot hardier than that. It can work up to 10 metres away. Uh, so the fact that it's in your back pocket shouldn't affect anything at all. Get a refund if you can or get a replacement. The store staff don't know what they're talking about. You're listening to Tech Guide. And that is the end of our show for this week. You can read about everything we've talked about, of course, at our great website, techguide.com.au. And we'd love for you to get in touch with us. Email us at info at techguide.com.au or search for that record icon in the middle of the Tech Guide page and you can record your question and we'll play it right here on the Tech Guide podcast. We want to give a special shout out to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week too. Until then, stay safe and stay connected.